Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Time for Informed Unflamed on Blog Talk Radio's Tavis Smiley Network with John Daly, journalist, TV host, blogger, and author. He cuts through the bias and entertainment of the media to get to the real news. Put your partisanship away and start using your brain. Here's John Daly. Well, it is hard to believe it is 50 years since President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. It still plays a major role in the psyche of many Americans. And that's what we're going to explore with our guest, Gary Mack. He is the curator of the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas, the site where President Kennedy's assassination allegedly, or essentially his assassin allegedly gunned him down. Hi, folks. It is August 26, 2013, coming to you from Sunset Beach, North Carolina. November 22, 1963, is seared into the psyche of most Americans born in the 1950s or even earlier. It is one of three historical dates that most Americans remember. The other two are, of course, September 11th, that would be for our more younger Americans, and December 7th, 1941, for a lot of our older Americans. Now, one of the best places to learn more about the assassination is the Sixth Floor Museum. It is the old Texas school book depository in Dallas. You can actually stand near the place where Lee Harvey Oswald apparently, or he did fire those fatal shots. The area looks the same as it did 50 years ago. And again, our guest is going to be Gary Mackey, the curator of the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas. Uh, We're waiting for him to get on the line here. But some of the things that I want to go over with him, because this actually had uh, quite an effect on me. I actually went to visit the Sixth Floor Museum. I did a couple of stories on it for Real TV because we uh, did it based on the Zabruder film, Real TV, of course, live video caught on tape. The Zabruder film was probably one of the great Real TV moments of all time, obviously a very sad time in our history. But the Zabruder film captured the assassination of JFK. And it wasn't until a few days later, maybe a week later, that it actually got out that there was a film. That wasn't shown for almost another four or five years before anybody actually got a chance to see it. So there's a lot of things uh, that I definitely want to talk about with Gary. There's going to be uh, a lot as far as all the different conspiracy theories that went on and why we had so many conspiracy theories. Uh, I'm going to ask him, but there's a new film coming out. I don't know if he has anything to do with it, but uh, it's called Parkland, and it's about those moments at the hospital after JFK was assassinated. I do see that uh, Gary Mack is now on the line, and he is the curator of the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas. He joins us now. Gary, thanks for your time. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you, John. It's great. It's great to talk to you again. We haven't we haven't talked in about 15 years or so, so I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to bring you in for this. Uh, for for what's going to be obviously a, a big moment, a big year. And again, I want to do some historical speculation with you, and and the possible reason for so many conspiracy theories. We talked about that, but is there any new sure. research or news that will be released 
for the 50th anniversary from you guys? Well, I suppose it could be something out there that uh, no one's talking about. There must be 15 or 20 different uh, TV specials coming up and and some feature films, and it's possible something new might be in there. But I think really the uh, the real buzz is that uh, thanks to the uh, JFK Records Act of 1992, any and all previously secret Kennedy assassination-related documents that have been sealed all these years must be released without question. Um, and I'm hearing that the CIA may not make that deadline. Um, one of the problems, uh, of course, is here we are 50 years later, and not that many people are around who remember names, dates, and places when it comes to um, declassifying things and checking just to make sure it's okay to release something. Uh, the law, as written, though, says everything has to be out no matter what. So we'll see what happens. And what is, what is, what is the date on that? Will it be the actual 50-year anniversary? Uh, actually, 2017 is 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 the year. I don't think there's a specific date within the year. Okay. All right. Um, do, do you have any, uh, or if you can just tell me, well, what, what are some of the commemorations you have planned down there at the Sixth Floor Museum for November 22nd? Well, the big commemoration, of course, is being held by the city of Dallas, and uh, we're not involved in the in the planning or uh, uh, the uh, events in, involved, and I don't think the city has got everything uh, quite nailed down yet, um, but there's going to be a major event in Dealey Plaza. Um, to be able to attend, you have to have a ticket, and the deadline for um, entering your name was uh, July 31st. What the city has chosen to do, thanks to events like the the Boston Marathon bombing and all, the city is being extremely cautious uh, that uh, demonstrations or even a worse event might take place, that they've uh, come up with a drawing system. Um, so you'll have to get a pass ahead of time. And Let's see, the main problem is Dealey Plaza, which looks really large and expansive on television, is actually a very small city park and it can physically safely hold only about 5,000 people. Uh, as of the July 31st deadline, almost 15,000 applied for tickets. So you can see <laughs> what the what the interest wow. is like. So uh, that's getting coordinated. But there will be an official event starting um, 45 minutes prior to the actual moment of the assassination and ending about 15 minutes afterward. So before... Presumably uh, the night before and that morning, Dealey Plaza will be closed. There will be no public access unless you've got a ticket. Afterward, after the event ends at quarter of one local time, then uh, the plaza will be open and uh, people can uh, can uh, do what they wish. All right. We are talking with Gary Matthews, the curator of the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas, which uh, will be uh, commemorating certainly the assassination of JFK. That's what it's all about there. Gary, uh, yep. give us the website. So if people, because uh, I, I do want to encourage people to go and visit you guys, give us the website. Thank so you. Get information on how to get there. Yeah, our, our, our website is easy to get to, jfk.org. Pardon me. And okay. uh, we will have we have a series of continuing programs. Monthly, uh, uh, our oral history program continues with live broadcasts, um, and uh, they're also being carried on C-SPAN. And uh, we've updated several of the major exhibits uh, in the museum, and we've recently upgraded the audio tour part. 
So th- there's an awful lot going on. And we have a relatively small staff um, on the museum side. We have uh, many more people working actually <laughs> uh, on the uh, side where uh, helping visitors in and out of uh, the, the museum itself. So we're uh, we're actively uh, helping uh, producers and and filmmakers uh, acquire materials for their uh, uh, historical records, uh, uh, footage and all for the various projects going on. Writers are still writing uh, all sorts of things and uh, fact-checking items. And it's uh, we're peddling as fast as we can over, <laughs> over here. I can imagine. Uh, just real briefly, I mentioned the uh, at the top the movie Parkland that is going to be released. It has a lot of big stars in it. Uh, in fact, they have, yes. I, I want to say Billy Bob Thornton, I think, is playing uh, Zabruder. Uh, did you guys have anything to do with that? Well, only in that uh, some of the early research on the film was done using the museum's oral history collection. We've we've interviewed over 1,200 people so far, and uh, part of the character development in the film is based partly on uh, what uh, their researchers found in our oral history collection. And we've also provided some footage. Um, uh, the, the film includes uh, archive historical footage, uh, much of which, if not most of which, comes from the Sixth Floor Museum's permanent, co- permanent collection. Okay. All right. Um, and again, I, w- I want to talk about the museum a lot because I, I visited you back in, I believe it was the late 1990s, and I uh-huh. admit that the, the historical side of my brain was absolutely fascinating, but I also had eerie, eerie feelings because I, I was a child back in the 60s. And when it happened, I, I was frightened. I could see it in my parents. And, you know, in, in addition, I, I was raised Catholic. I was of Irish descent. This, this, it really hit home for me, and it really brought back some strange feelings. Do, do you hear a lot of that from museum visitors? Well, we do hear it from time to time, and I, uh, I'm one who has similar memories uh, like you, John. That was I was a senior in high school, and my dad fought in World War II. He flew uh, A-20 fighter planes and uh, A-20 bombers, rather. And this was the first time I had ever seen my father afraid. He was convinced World War III was about to begin. And an interesting event happened here. I don't know, gosh, it must have been 10, 12 years ago now. Uh, Russian, former Russian Premier uh, Mikhail Gorbachev came to visit. And uh, we walked him around through the exhibit, and he had his interpreter with him, of course. And we were discussing the, that very moment. And, and I remember vividly him telling me that this was his first year in the Soviet KGB. And he said, we knew our people weren't involved, but we were convinced you Americans would never believe that and you would fire your missiles at us. And I was stunned because I I certainly remember sitting in the living room at our house watching television and looking at my dad scared to death thinking that the Russians had, had killed Kennedy and they were starting World War III. And you know we kind of blinked at the same time. It was it was a, a, a fascinating moment in that this was symbolic of what the Cold War really was: two superpowers failing to communicate with each other and scared of each other. You know, and, and, and let's take that fear because you, you and I have talked about this. Uh, that a lot of that fear actually led to many of the conspiracy theories, and you said that had a lot to do with with LBJ. Walk me through that, because you took me through a fascinating uh, uh, process of that that I think uh, most people really don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I remember um, observing this kind of chain of events, and I've heard similar stories from all of those who've uh, studied the Kennedy assassination over the years. The real first suspect was Lyndon Johnson, because he mm -hmm. was the first beneficiary of Kennedy's death, especially since the crime happened in the state that uh, Johnson came from. Uh, the reality is, and you won't find this in any of the conspiracy books, and a bunch of them recently are saying LBJ was behind it all. The reality is Johnson spent the rest of his life, which was, what, another nine years or so, telling his friends and associates privately that he was never fully convinced that it was just Lee Harvey Oswald and that he had, while he had never seen any evidence indicating it was someone else, it just, he was not convinced and there was one point, uh, I forget whether it was 1966 or 1967, somewhere in there, uh, at the height of um, some of the uh, early questions being raised about the assassination, that he seriously considered starting a new investigation of the Kennedy assassination. But without something solid to go on, he and his advisors uh, held off. And then as the Vietnam War events overtook his presidency, it never happened. Now, if Johnson were involved in the Kennedy assassination, any time these questions came up, being a smart man, and he certainly was, he would have said, oh, there's nothing to this. These are, these are just silly stories. Come on, we've got more important things to do. But he never did that. He told his friends, I'm just not satisfied. I, was just, I read Robert Cairo's latest book on LBJ. This one's called The Passage of Power. And a big yeah. part of that book is the assassination through the eyes of LBJ. And i got to admit, as I'm reading it, I'm, I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about our conversation <laughs> um, that, that we had 15 years ago. Walk me through, though, what was going through LBJ's head. And I, and I think there was something extremely honorable about him of how he wanted to care for, for Jackie. And yet, at the same time, too, he was scared to death like you and I were about, here come the Russian missiles. Yeah. Well, you know, he was scared just like the Secret Service were. In fact, when the Secret Service hustled him into Parkland Hospital and put him in an inside room, uh, it still had one window. And they pushed him to the floor below window level. And he stayed there for quite a while on the floor. Now, imagine that. Get this mental picture. He knows he's acting president. He's, he, he wasn't automatically president immediately. He's acting president, and here he is cowering on the floor of Parkland Hospital. Uh, I mean, that, that says so much. And the Secret Service, of course, wanted to get back to Washington, where all the major communications systems were, and, of course, all the important people. And uh, uh, Jackie, of course, wouldn't leave without her husband's body. And Johnson refused to leave without her. Uh, granted, that may have been partly a political observation and uh, decision, but he at least had the humanity to understand the severity of the situation. So with, with the Secret Service guys telling the Parkland people, we're leaving with the body, and Parkland is saying, no, under Texas law, we have to have an autopsy before the body can can be removed. Unbeknownst to the Secret Service, who were in this long, heated discussion with Parkland officials, Dallas District Attorney Henry Wade was on the phone with Kennedy's personal doctor, Dr. George Berkeley, who was at Parkland also, 
And Wade was arranging with Berkeley for him to accompany the body and then return to Dallas should there be a trial because he needed a chain of possession. Berkeley said okay, but and while this phone conversation was going on, the Secret Service guys were fed up with waiting. They didn't even know about the conversation. They just took the body and left and went, went back to Air Force One. It's an amazing story, and had we not done an oral history with Henry Wade uh, back in the uh, uh, late 80s, this story would remain unknown, because you won't find it in any book anywhere. Wow. So, so that oral history is at the museum? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. T- take me through the next step of, of why no autopsy led to so many conspiracy theories. Well, it's a very good example of why people have questions today. I certainly don't have an answer for this one, but here's what actually happened. Um, The president, of course, was a Navy man, and Navy personnel were selected to do the autopsy. The three men involved, of the three men involved, two of them had never done a gunshot wound autopsy ever in their entire career. The one person who had was not the leader of the team. Um, uh, James Humes was the leader of the team. He'd never done a gunshot autopsy before. He was the lead guy. And this will give you an idea of how botched the autopsy uh, uh, report was. The next morning, as Humes was writing up his draft of the report, he decided, you know, maybe I should call the doctors in Dallas who actually saw the president there. That was the first time, this is hours after the autopsy had ended, it was the first time that Humes learned that the hole in Kennedy's throat was not originally caused by uh, the tracheotomy incision to help the president breathe, but it was a gunshot hole. And he was astonished because he had no idea that uh, this damage on the president's neck was due to anything other than a tracheotomy incision. So he, you know, he burned his notes and and, and had to rewrite his uh, report without having benefit of being able to see the president's body. And uh, the measurements are so imprecise. The photographs are, are, uh, that were taken were uh, were so poorly lit and are at such bad angles and with with few measuring devices, that one can look at the data now and come to all sorts of different conclusions. And it's really, not only is it a shame because of who was being autopsied, but the fact that people can raise legitimate questions 50 years after the fact and they're all looking at the same data, that says a lot, doesn't it? I sure think it does, does. personally. Yeah. We're talking with Gary Mack, he's the curator of the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas. I recommend you go to the Sixth Floor Museum if you're in the Dallas area. It's a, it is, it's, it's just, it's great history, and it's, uh, it certainly raises a, an awful lot of questions. So, I guess my, my question or questions to you, and I guess I kind of put them all together, is the Warren Report still legit? Do we really think Oswald is a lone wolf, or can we just still not say just based on what you're just telling us about the autopsy? Well, it, it took me quite a few years to realize this, but um, and I got swept into this um, uh, subject uh, after seeing the Abraham Zapruder film of the assassination the first time it was shown on national television back in 1975. And this was in a period when more questions were being raised and a lot of the classic conspiracy books from the 60s were being reissued. 
What mm-hmm. I didn't realize for something like 15 years was the conspiracy books don't tell you both sides. They don't tell you everything you need to know. And this many years later, um, in following what people are doing and, and thinking and the questions they're asking, they're not even bothering to start with the basics, which is the Warren Report. I mean, you can't play a sport, you can't go out and play baseball without knowing at least uh, the basic rules of baseball. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just wish people who are curious about the assassination and and every event that happened, read the Warren Report, start with the basic information so you can learn both sides. Otherwise, you'll be easily misled. Okay. So in, in, with, with that in mind and all that you've done, can you come up with any conclusion? I mean, if anybody, you, you've been around it for a good part of your life now. Well, uh, yes and no. First of all, you have to understand, my opinions and my theories uh, are not in the Sixth Floor Museum. The Sixth Floor Museum just tells the history of the event. But, of course, all of us have thoughts and questions, just like everybody else. Um, I think the best way to explain it is to... uh, Let me think of a good example here. Oh, okay, here's one. About a week or 10 days or so before the assassination, Lee Harvey Oswald walked into the Dallas FBI office, left a note for one of the agents who had been trying to speak with him in person. Uh, The agent's name was James Hostie. Hostie never saw that note until after the assassination. And guess what happened to it? Within an hour or two after Oswald's death, two days later, Washington, presumably J. Edgar Hoover himself, called the Dallas office, spoke to the head of the office, Gordon Shanklin, and Shanklin then called Hostie into his office and said, take this note and destroy it. I don't ever want to see it again. Hostie took the note and tore it up and flushed it down the toilet. Now, two of the secretaries in the office were aware of the contents of the note. Both said that the note was threatening. One was of an explicit threat that he would blow up the building if he didn't stop, uh, if the FBI didn't stop bothering uh, Oswald and his wife. The other was a more mild concern, saying, "You know, if you want to talk to me, come speak to me directly. Don't mess, around, don't bother my wife uh, at the house." Well, why would the FBI destroy a note from Lee Harvey Oswald unless it made the bureau look bad? What's most interesting about this is the Warren Commission never knew about the note. Its existence wasn't revealed for 12 years when uh, uh, local newspaper reporters, Hugh Ainsworth and Tom Johnson of the Dallas Times-Herald, broke the story. Now, you know, if there's so much, if it's just one man, why is there so much secrecy? That's a fair question to ask, and a lot of people still ask it today. Which leads to... We don't know, and that's and and that, I think that's what I try to tell everybody is you can come up with all the theories you want, but at the same time too, we just don't have concrete evidence of whatever we do know what happened. That's but right. We don't know exactly why and how. And it's easy to plug in a sinister explanation for anything that hasn't been answered yet. That doesn't mean the sinister explanation is the explanation, but it certainly satisfies a lot of people. And again, we're talking with Gary Mack. He's the curator of the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this story, uh, Gary, but when at Real TV, uh, we were approached by a lawyer 
and his client was an elderly woman, and she allegedly had video of the assassination from another angle. Now, supposedly, the video shed light on who really killed JFK. They wanted $100,000 from Real TV. Mm-hmm. We didn't buy it. Again, this was my decision. You know, it, was, it was a higher-ups there. Now, some sure. of us thought sure. we should buy it, examine it, and then run the story and video saying, well, whether it's fake or not, we'll let you decide. But again, higher-ups said no. Have you ever heard of another Zabruder-type video? Uh, there isn't uh, any other known film of the actual shooting. The movie you're talking about, yes, I've seen it, and I know the woman who shot it. Uh, it does not include the assassination. What it does show from a block and a half away is the Kennedy limousine uh, about six seconds after the shooting had ended. And the grassy knoll area is visible. And there's a light or a, a light-colored something that appears in one frame, one fraction of a second, and the next fraction of a second, it's not there. And, you know, one one can say, well, that's a person. Well, even if it is, it doesn't mean it's a sinister person. It could just as easily be the blowing branches, because the wind was very gusty at the time. Uh, it could be uh, branches blocking the view of sunlight on the other side of the tree. It could be any number of things. That's not to say the film might not be important someday, but uh, so far it, it, it has not been available. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's unfortunate uh, that situations like this uh, come up. It really is. Let me ask you this uh, final question, just kind of wrap it up here, and I appreciate your time. How did or how has the assassination I, we know it changed America in the 1960s. Have, are we still seeing any change or repercussions today, 50 years later, or is it kind of kind of waning just because it, it is 50 years and we live in a totally different world? Well, there are two things that have really changed. Um, when the Sixth Floor Museum was opened in February 1989, and I was just one of the consultants at that time, uh, we we designed the museum to be more significant for as we call them, the rememberers, those of us who are old enough to remember that moment in history. Today, of course, we're, and we're almost 25 years old now, uh, most of our visitors are not old enough to remember. They, most of them weren't even alive at the time. So the interest in the Kennedy assassination is very, very different, and many of those people are interested because of what they think is a mystery. And they want to come to the spot to try to understand, and that, of course, is is, is very important. Um, they're trying to make sense of it like everyone else. The other thing that changed is that, and many historians view it this way, the Kennedy assassination and the aftermath, with so many questions and, and doubts uh, being raised, this was the first time that Americans lost some faith and, and trust in the American government. And there are a lot of people around who will tell you they still think that the that the government cannot be trusted. Um, and that's, uh, of course, a much bigger question than just the Kennedy assassination, but what happened in Dallas in 63 may well have been the start of it. Um, one, one last real quick question on that. Do you think the 60s would have happened as they did if JFK had not been assassinated? Well, that's a great question. Um, off the top of my head, 
subject to revision later. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it would have changed much. The, um, the Vietnam War was building. Kennedy was not real sure what to do about it. He was establishing a contingency plan to back the U.S. out of further involvement in Vietnam if necessary. But all of his public statements for uh, weeks, if not several months prior to his death, uh, insisted that the U.S. needed to help Southeast Asia stand up to the uh, 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 communists and, and North Vietnamese, that it was most important for us to keep our uh, advisors, as they were called, troops really, uh, there. And uh, there was no indication, no public indication anyway, that Kennedy had anything other uh, – that Kennedy had anything on his mind other than to continue the course, which was helping prop up the South Vietnamese government. All right. Again, we were talking with uh, Gary Mack, curator of the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas. Gary, give us the uh, give us the website one more time and what people can look for as far as um, ease of finding out information and being able to get down there to the Sixth Floor Museum. JFK.org is uh, is our home page, and we will have the latest information, especially uh, information that we uh, get from the city on uh, Dealey Plaza and its availability. Uh, in fact, our hours even on November 22nd. Uh, it appears we will not be able to open until at least 2 o'clock in the afternoon after the city's official ceremony is over. So JFK.org is a place to go. All right. Gary, thank you so much for your time. It was great talking to you again. I'm sorry it's taken so long, but, uh, uh, yeah, great information, great insight, and you have a great museum down there. Quite okay. Thank you very much, John. I, I sure appreciate it. All right, Gary. Thank you again. Uh, that's Gary Matt, Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas. And, folks, thanks for tuning in. Remember, stay informed, not inflamed. We will catch you next time. For more on John Daly, including his blog postings and instructional videos, go to informnotinflamed.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.